Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast series. Today we're talking about the Supreme Court's ruling on affirmative action and its impact on medical education. I'm joined by Dr. Sanjay Desai, AMA's Chief Academic Officer and Group Vice President of Medical Education in Chicago. We also have Dr. Dave Henderson, AMA's Vice President for Equity, Diversity and Belonging in Medical Education, calling in from West Hartford, Connecticut. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Welcome, Dr. Desai, Dr. Henderson. Thank you so much, Todd, for having us here for this important topic. Thank you very much, Todd. It's great to be here. Well, Dr. Desai, uh, let's start with you first. A little background with its ruling on affirmative action. The Supreme Court has upended uh, decades of legal precedent, which will have a significant impact on higher education, including medical education. Uh, Dr. Desai, can you start by giving us an overview of the court's ruling? Sure, Todd. I think hopefully as many people have probably read by now in the news, last Thursday, almost a week ago, the Supreme Court struck down affirmative action programs at the University of North Carolina and at Harvard University, judging it illegal to use race as a consideration in the admissions process. They essentially ruled that it violates the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. The vote was six to three uh, in the case with University of North Carolina and six to two in the case with Harvard because uh, uh, Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson recused herself from that latter case. Now, the AMA has been tracking this case and actually filed an amicus brief. Dr. Desai, tell us a little bit more about that and the AMA's stance on the ruling. Sure. The, you know, the AMA has had a loud voice in this. We uh, joined more than 40 other organizations uh, alongside the amicus brief that was filed by the Association of American Colleges uh, and essentially urged the Supreme Court, Todd, to take no action that would disrupt the admissions processes uh, the nation's health professional schools have carefully crafted in reliance on this court's longstanding precedents. You, you refer to the precedents yourself. And that amicus brief was cited by the dissenting justices in, in their comments on this case. And, uh, you know, we feel policies that permit race as a component of selection are critical to diversifying the healthcare workforce. Thank you, Dr. Desai. Dr. Henderson, what impact will this ruling have on medical education and the diversity of future med school classes? Well, Todd, it's likely to have a significant impact um, because uh, affirmative action uh, has been much more effective than any of the other strategies that have been uh, employed. There have been some race neutral strategies that uh, have been employed and, and have been studied. Uh, as an example, affirmative action sort of um, it provides about a 20% increase um, in um, in diversity, according to um, um, to a, a number of studies. Um, there are also strategies of holistic review that aren't um, uh, inclusive of race, um, and they bump um, uh, in, uh, matriculation um, and sort of diversity in medical schools about 7%. Um, in addition, there are um, test optional policies, uh, policies that don't require, say, SAT scores um, for uh, entry into undergraduate education. Um, and in a study in 2022, um, they found that they only increased uh, diversity by um, 1%. Um, and there are a number of states that have sort of top 10% of plans, um, um, sort of uh, states that have passed legislation that allow the uh, students in the top percent of their graduating uh, class in high school 
um, um, to be admitted to any of the state institutions. Um, and uh, in a study of those plans, um, they found a lot of mixed results. Specifically, they found that um, there were many instances in which uh, students sort of um, under-enrolled. That, that is to say, um, they, uh, they chose um, uh, institutions uh, other than the top tier schools in their state, even though they qualified for admission there. Uh, it should also be noted, I think, that um, the, there are large racial gaps in kindergarten readiness uh, between um, students from affluent um, um, neighborhoods and uh, students from, uh, from poor communities. Uh, and these gaps um, in achievement actually continue throughout uh, K to 12 education. Um, so if you are um, a poor child, if you're from um, a group that's, um, that's underrepresented and disadvantaged, um, you have um, challenges uh, from the time uh, you begin education in this country in kindergarten. So that's quite a pipeline problem uh, that you're talking up there and real concern uh, that a change like this is going to lead to uh, a less diverse medical school class. Now, uh, the, that follows that we might be then seeing a much less diverse physician workforce. Dr. Desai, why is that a problem and uh, why is it an issue when we think about delivering better patient care? Yeah, this relates directly to the health of our country. Uh, systemic and structural racism are major uh, contributors to the existing health inequity that we see uh, in this country. Ameli ameliorating racism must be central to our workforce development strategy if we hope to make progress towards achieving health equity. So while, while our country continues to grow more and more diverse, historically marginalized communities have been left behind on nearly every health indicator. A physician workforce that reflects the diversity of the nation is key to eliminating those health inequities. And there's convincing evidence, there are data for this, Todd. There's evidence that racially diverse care teams produce measurably positive health outcomes for patients in historically marginalized populations. Uh, patients, minorities, communities, they demonstrate improved primary care management, adherence and health behaviors when clinicians have race concordance. And this is uh, this has been noted by Justice Jackson in, in her dissent that racial concordance between high-risk black newborns and physicians was associated with decreases in, in mortality. And the goal, to be clear, is not that we uh, create a system of racially segregated care, but rather a healthcare workforce, Todd, that in which racial and ethnic representation is a more common aspect of our care teams. So it's clear that diversity can improve patient outcomes, but in most places, those outcomes are not yet a reality for patients as you're kind of laying out already. What is the level of diversity in our current physician workforce and where does it need to be? Yes, I mean, in the United States, the demographics of the current healthcare workforce do not align with the demographics of the population. According to the latest data from the Association of American Medical Colleges, only 6.9% of physicians in the United States identify as Hispanic, while 5.7 identify as Black or African American, and only 0.3% of physicians identify as American Indian or Alaskan Native. However, if you look at the population, almost 20% of the U.S. population identifies as Hispanic or Latino, over 13% identify as Black or African American, 
and over 1.3% identify as American Indian or Alaskan Native. And between 1997 and 2017, the number of matriculants to medical school from underrepresented groups declined, declined, Todd, by 16%. A big gap. So we're already seeing major challenges, even with affirmative action in place. Dr. Henderson, you know, what are some of the biggest barriers that we're up against in getting a more diverse group of medical school applicants and graduates? Todd, as I sort of alluded to before, um, there are uh, inequities in K-12 education in the way that our public um, uh, education system um, is structured, being funded by um, uh, by local taxes. So if you live in a poor neighborhood, you are more likely to um, to attend an under-resourced school. Um, I mean, I think the the issue of diversity in higher education, which creates the pipeline that um, um, that provides matriculants to medical school. Um, I mean, universities uh, and uh, and colleges can't can't manage the uh, the work of diversifying uh, the workforce uh, by themselves. Uh, the solution can't be found in a patchwork of uh, state level policies. Action from the federal government is required, and it needs to begin well before high before high school, uh, which is where a lot of pathways programs start. So with all of those kind of barriers that you're outlining and the loss of affirmative action, what are some of the, uh, the ways that medical schools can still increase diversity at their institutions? Well, I think there are a number of, uh, of possible options for schools. Um, one option is um, to advocate within um, um, their state uh, for better K-12 education. Um, to uh, to eliminate some of the existing inequities. I mean that will uh, that will take a long time, but if successful, that will actually create the pipeline or the pathway um, that is needed. Uh, additionally, I think that there needs to be closer co closer collaboration uh, between um, um, medical schools um, and graduate schools in general, and their undergraduate um, institutions locally. Uh, again, to help uh, foster uh, the creation of uh, of a pathway, um, and in a, and in addition to that, I mean, uh, medical schools, uh, universities need to really advocate very strongly uh, at a state level uh, for um, improved education uh, throughout the continuum, because um, that I think is the best way forward for us. Another another pool of potential applicants that's often overlooked are students who begin their education in community colleges. Uh, I mean, I think making inroads uh, and creating relationships with community colleges is another sort of important um, uh, mechanism for uh, bringing a more diverse applicant pool um, to medical school admissions. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild.
What about, let's, let's think about folks that are submitting their applications and having a more, you know, quote, holistic review. What's that look like? Well, um, there are a number of, of approaches for that. Um, and some schools have started to use um, adversity metrics. Um, it could be said that everyone um, 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 walks a mile um, to, um, to come to uh, the door uh, of medical education. Um, but some people walk much longer miles and much harder miles than others. Um, and I think taking a look at uh, what a given student has had to overcome uh, and taking that into consideration, uh, I think can help identify some, um, some very worthy students um, that might be overlooked in, um, in more normative um, uh, race-neutral uh, admission settings. Now, Dr. Desai, you, this is an issue the AMA has been working on long before the Supreme Court de uh, decision. Can you talk about how the AMA is supporting efforts to increase diversity in our physician workforce? Yeah, Todd, as you mentioned, this is a, a core issue for us. Um, you know, th thankfully, uh, we have a, a long-standing history of, of supporting um, diversity in medical schools. We have a substantial body of policy that supports equity, diversity, and belonging in, in medical schools and diversification of the medical student body, uh, and using race-conscious race practices in admissions. In fact, at our annual meeting just a month ago, the, this was reaffirmed. Um, within medical education, we work across the AMA with our Center for Health Equity, as well as with other areas within the American Medical Association to really uh, do as much as we can to promote uh, the diversification of, of medical student body and the physician workforce. You know, some examples include uh, education content. So we are um, uh, leading uh, really the, the dissemination of health system science. You know, how do we how do we educate our physicians on the health system? And within that, uh, there is a core content area related to uh, structural drivers of health, where where things um, such as structural racism and the need for a diversified workforce uh, comes in. We also have programming on combating structural racism in both medical schools as well as in, in residency programs and offer guidance on how to combat these to help our partners who are educating physicians and developing them across the country. Uh, we have helped uh, these same universities develop research and action plans to understand the challenges to developing a diversified student body and, and physician workforce. We've hosted webinars with experts from, again, across the country to promote awareness in this space and to help disseminate and learn best practices uh, related to this uh, to this issue. We have a council of medical education, uh, Todd, that's quite active in, uh, in the country, and they've produced reports describing promising practices uh, on pathway programs that Dr. Henderson was just describing. We have, a, we're currently um, actually leading the, um, the creation of a, of a study that is looking at how, how to embed and promote racial justice in medical education. A component of that will certainly be this, will be this topic. And we're organizing a proposal now to, uh, particularly on the heels of this, of this judgment, uh, to identify and disseminate practices around around diversifying the medical student body. So, there are so many areas in which the American Medical Education uh, Association is active in this space. But I, I would just take one step back. This is a space where I believe everybody is humbled 
it is uh, it is an overwhelming problem, and in my view, is uh, a a problem beyond diversity. It's a problem about health equity and health, and so we, as much as we are doing, we also recognize and are trying our best to uh, partner with other organizations, with universities, with health systems, with others that see this as urgent of an issue as we do, uh, because we think only through collaboration, given the complexity of this issue, are we going to be able to have the change that we aspire to have as quickly as we all believe that it's necessary. So uh, our hopes in this space are ambitious and urgent, but the space itself is quite overwhelming. And so we're eager uh, to continue this work. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Desai and Dr. Henderson, for your perspective on this important change. Uh, appreciate you joining us today. That wraps up today's episode. We'll be back soon with another segment. In the meantime, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. Please take care.